Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin Ve salatu ve selam ala abdillahi ve rasulih Nebiyyina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain We've now reached towards the end of Surah Al-Fajr The last part of Surah Al-Fajr InshaAllah Ta'ala today We're going to be able to finish uh, Surah Al-Fajr by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal. So we reach the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Kalla Balla Tukrimun al What was mentioned just before that? What was the last thing we mentioned? What was the, the, the two ayat before that? What were they about? فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَمَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّ أَكْرَمًا وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ فَقَدَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّ أَهَانًا So when Allah gives you a great deal, mankind, any the state of man, Allah Azawajal gives you everything and then the person believes that means that Allah is honoring them and Allah really loves them and Allah wants to raise them up. And when Allah restricts their income and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Yarhamakallah and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restricts their provision and makes things hard for them, they say, Rabbi Ahanan, my Lord is disgracing me. We said that this is not the measure of who Allah loves and doesn't love. Because we said the principle is the dunya, Allah gives it to those that He loves and those that He doesn't. So what is the link to this next ayah? Kalla. Kalla here comes with different meanings in the Quran. We've already mentioned in our tafsir classes some of the meanings of kalla. Do you remember we mentioned, I think at least two we mentioned, two meanings of kalla in previous classes. Kalla can be used to say what has preceded is not, that's not the case. In other words, no, it's not like that. Kalla, it's not like that. Kalla. In other words, what this human being imagines, they imagine that Allah gives them because He loves them or He withholds from them because He is disgracing them and He hates them. Kalla. It's not like you think. You're wrong in this presumption. Kalla bal la tukrimun al-yateen. Kalla bal la tukrimun no, rather you do not honor the orphan. Now, what do you notice? And we can put this question out to YouTube, uh, people watching on YouTube as well. What do you notice changed between the previous ayah and between this ayah? فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مَا بْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعْعَمَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّ أَكْرَمًا As for man, when his Lord tests him, so he gives him many blessings and he 
gives, he honors him with many good things. He says, my Lord has honored me. And as for when his provision is restricted, he says, my Lord has disgraced me. No, rather you do not honor the orphan. What do you notice changed between these two ayat? Something very huge changed between these two ayat. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Something between these two ayat, like something major just changed. What's like spot the difference in the ayat? Like what, what's the big thing that changed between the previous ayat and kella bella tukrimun al yatim? Rather, you do not honor the orphan. Do you have any answers on the... Yeah, very good. Very good. This is very important. Allah Azza wa Jal was speaking about mankind. He says like this. He thinks it's like this. He says, my Lord. Then suddenly, the speech changes and becomes you. You. You people. You don't do this. Now this is significant both in language and meaning. In the Arabic language it's very significant because it suddenly grabs your attention. Because right now we're talking about the third person. We say, oh, you know, what a poor person who thinks like that. What a foolish person who thinks like that. But you people, you, you don't look after the orphan. So suddenly your attention is like, it's like a shock to your system, right? Because you were talking about someone else. We were talking about insan. We were talking about, يَقُولُ رَبِّ أَكْرَمًا يَقُولُ رَبِّ أَهَانًا He says, my Lord, my Lord doesn't this, he says this, he says that. كَلَّا بَلَّا تُكْرِمُونَ You people don't honor the orphan. So the first thing is that it completely wakes you up. You suddenly like, whoa, what happened? And it also is a wake-up call for the people who match that description. Those people who might have fallen into that thinking. And Allah addresses them directly. Oh, you people, do you want to know? This is what Ibn Jarir, Ibn Jarir linked it like this. There's two opinions on the ayah. But Ibn Jarir, rahimahullah, linked it like this. You people want to know why it is that Allah disgraced you? Allah disgraced you because you didn't take care of the orphan. That was how Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, how he linked it. He said, this, it goes back to the reason why Allah Azza wa Jal disgraced the person. If you want to know why it is that Allah Azza wa Jal disgraced you, Allah disgraced you because you didn't look after the orphan. Like that. Uh, the link between the two being this is linked to the previous. And this is linked to the previous. Uh, to the previous ayat. 
However, uh, there are those who, from the scholars of tafsir, who they didn't link it like that. And they didn't link it. That this is they didn't link it to the previous. And among them, Ibn Kathir, rahimullah ta'ala, they didn't link it to the previous ayat. They said, kella, it's not like you think. And then Allah Azza wa Jal addresses them by mentioning examples of how far they are away from Allah. Taib, I have a question. Whether we take either of the two opinions, whichever of the two opinions we take, this one or that one, the question is, is it, is that the, the only reason is not looking after an orphan is that what makes you from the people of Jannah or the people of Jahannam and is the sole reason a person goes to Jahannam because he didn't honor the orphan and he didn't encourage each other to feed the poor is that is that the the core the main thing that is required from you in Islam No. Islam is much, you know, much broader than that. But these are examples of being far away from Allah. Now, which surah did we study where we showed that these are examples that typify and exemplify the disbeliever? Where did we, we did a surah, very small surah from small surahs. We said that this Allah Azza wa Jal showed us that this of turning away from the orphan or not feeding the poor, these kind of things. This is what you expect from the disbeliever. We covered it in more than one place, but one particular surah, we covered it very clearly. The whole surah is about this. No, not surah kafir. It mentions the orphan and it mentions the poor. Not looking after the orphan. Not taking care of the poor. And that this is the description of those who disbelieve. Ma'un. Surah Ma'un. أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينِ فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمِ وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينِ Have you seen the one who disbelieves in the resurrection? This is the one who pushes away the orphan. This is the one who does not cooperate and encourage the feeding of the poor. So it doesn't mean that you not looking after the orphan is the only thing in Islam. But this is an exemplify. It's an example that exemplifies and just shows you what you expect from the kafir. That's what you expect from the person you who disbelieves in the resurrection. That's what you expect from them. You expect from them that they will behave like that towards the orphan. So these are examples. But now I have another question. Why give these examples then? Why give this example? Why not give other examples? Why give the example of the yatim and feeding the miskeen? وَتَأْكُلُونَ التُّرَاثَ أَكْلًا لَمَّا 
Okay, you're very close. In fact, you're so close, I give it, I give that to you. You are very, very close. That the previous ayah talk about mankind in relation to his rizq, right? فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَّمَهُ وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ فَقَادَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ They talk about the situation of mankind with regard to the rizq that Allah gave them. So the people of Iman, what are they doing with the rizq that Allah gave them? يُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمُ They're taking care of the orphan. يَحَاضُّونَ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ they are together with each other, encouraging one another too, and cooperating with each other in feeding the miskin. They're not interested in jam' al-mal. They're not interested in just getting money for the sake of money. They're not stealing other people's money. So since the previous ayat are always talking about mankind in the situation of their rizq, so when you give examples of the sins that made a person disgraced in the sight of Allah, it makes sense to give examples that relate to rizq, right? So as long as we've understood that this is not, these are examples, and it's not the case that uh, the only reason the disbelievers enter Jahannam is because they don't take care of, uh, they don't take care of the uh, the orphan, or they don't encourage each other to feed the poor. But these are examples, and the reason these examples are given is we can give two reasons. Number one, because this is what is expected of the kafir. This is what you expect from the one who de- denies Allah and denies the resurrection. And secondly, because of the fact that the ayat prior to that are talking about the situation of mankind and their rizq. Whereas when they get all of this money, they think that Allah loves them so much because they were given so much money. Oh, Allah really loves me. Allah honors me. Allah has got waiting for me so much in Jannah because of this money He's given me. When in reality, they didn't use that money to look after the orphan. They didn't use that money to feed the poor. They didn't use that money to... uh, Or they didn't spend that money for the sake of Allah. They didn't earn it in a halal way or use it in a halal way. So... It makes sense to give examples of their of the the outcome of their disbelief based on the the risk that they have been given because that is the context in which these ayat are or were revealed. Yeah, it is a reminder, no doubt. It's a reminder for the person of wealth. It's a reminder for the person of wealth that this wealth isn't a proof that Allah loves you. But what's a proof that Allah loves you? If Allah inspires you to use that wealth for good, then this is a sign, not a proof, it's a sign that Allah loves you. If Allah inspires you to use that wealth for His sake, then this is a sign that Allah Azza wa Jal akramak, He's looking after you and taking care of you and honoring you. And the reason that Allah a person is disgraced in the sight of Allah, the reason a person is disgraced in the sight of Allah with Adabun Muheen, a punishment which lowers them and disgraces them, is because 
of the fact that they turn away from Allah Azza wa Jal. And if we're talking about the, from the point of view of rizq, they earn it in the haram, they spend it in the haram, they don't look after the needy and the poor people and so on. وَلَا تَحَادُّونَ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ Here, تَحَادُّون is to encourage each other. So just like we had, uh, we, we had a tawasi in Surah Al-Asr, didn't we? وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ We had a tawasi giving each other advice. Here, وَلَا تَحَادُّونَ You don't give each other encouragement. What does that tell us Islamically? Something that a lot of people don't think about. Obviously it tells you the virtue of feeding the poor. That we know. But what else does it tell us? It tells us something very important. Apart from just the virtue of feeding the poor. What what other ruling can you take from this ayah? Giving your wealth for the sake of Allah, no doubt. But what other ruling can you take from the ayah apart from giving your wealth for the sake of Allah? وَلَا تَحَادُّونَ عَلَىٰ طَعَامٍ مِسْكِينَ Don't encourage one another. Let's see if we have anything from the answers. Good. I, that's not bad. I quite like that. Put that one. Okay. Put those both on the screen. I like both of those answers. They're both very good. The importance and the virtue of encouraging each other to give charity. Not only just giving charity, but also exhorting people, encouraging people to give charity. That you go to someone and say, you know, give for the sake of Allah. Or you encourage people to give for the sake of Allah. You remind people the virtue of giving for the sake of Allah. And you don't always encourage only through your words also. Sometimes you encourage through your actions. Isn't it the case that sometimes, usually how do you give charity? Usually. Generally speaking, you give charity secretly, right? Because of the principle that whatever you can conceal of your deeds, you should conceal it. And anything you can possibly do in secret, do it in secret. That's sirrul ikhlas, the secret of ikhlas. Whatever you can do in secret, do it in secret. If you can do 90% of your ibadat in secret, whatever you can do in secret, do it in secret. That's the principle of ikhlas. Maximize the amount you do in secret. But there are times where you give your charity in the open. Give me an evidence for giving charity from the Quran where the Quran specifically says about giving charity openly. I'm specifically asking you because you memorized it. الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَةً Those people who spend their money in the night and the day secretly and in the open. So Allah specifically allowed us to give charity openly. What is the benefit of giving charity in front of everybody? It is to encourage other people to do the same. So this is matlabun shar'i. This is an Islamic, it's a goal, an objective of Islam 
for you to encourage people through your examples, through your words and so on, to give money. Because we know that all of us love money, right? I'm not saying about some of us, are, inshallah, there's some people, Zahid, inshallah, they're Zahid. But everybody likes to have money. Allah Azza wa Jalla said, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ Man really loves money. Remember, khair here doesn't mean good. It means money. A man loves money. And Allah Azza wa Jalla said, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ you will not achieve righteousness. You cannot be righteous until you spend out of what you love. Not out of what you kind of, you know what it is. I don't, this thing, I, I like it. No, I give it in charity. This one, I like it. I'll give it in charity. This is okay. I'll give it in charity. But the best one, no, I keep for myself. You will not be righteous until you give what you love. That's why some of the Salaf, rahimullah ta'ala, is mentioned that they had a sweet tooth. Some of the Sahaba, they had, liked, they had a sweet tooth, and they liked sweet sweet things. And they used to give sweet, any yani sugar and sweet things out to people. And when they were asked about it, they said, You cannot achieve righteousness until you give from what you love. I was reading the seerah of uh, the story, biography of... Uh, the Maqasid, the Maqdisi family, Ibn Qudama, Ahmed Ibn Muhammad Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi and his children. And uh, it's mentioned that he really loved milk. Or like, either him or Abu Umar, his son. They had this love for milk. And one day, and when it was a, a, a glass or a cup was presented to them, they didn't take it. They said, go and give it to someone. Take the milk. He said, I don't want it today. He said, why you love milk? And he, why are you not drinking milk today? He said, go and give it to somebody. Because I want to implement the ayah, You can't be righteous until you give what you love. You have to find something you really love and give it. Now, to get to the stage where you give what you love, you need encouragement. Like, it's easy to give what you're not too bothered about, yeah? Like, someone comes and you have like a, you have some plenty of money in your pocket and you have few coins. He says, can you give me some charity? So you take a couple of coins out and you give because it's not, it's not what you really, your heart was really attached to. But for you to give that large amount that you really were, you had a big plan for it, you had a big hope for it and just to give it like that, that takes encouragement. You need people to encourage you to do that, right? You need people around you to give those examples. And subhanAllah, I always find it's amazing when you see how people give charity. Some people, Allah puts generosity in their heart. Like you see this person doesn't stop giving. And honestly, I don't believe that is related to how rich or poor the person is. Because there are people who are very wealthy, I've seen it from them, very wealthy people, and they just keep giving. And It's like they don't stop, they never ever refuse, they just keep giving. But I've also seen people who don't have that much money. They're not like very, very wealthy. But they still have that same generosity that Allah put it in their heart. That whatever they have, it's just give it, take it. There are many examples of that. There are examples of that. Who is known among the Sahaba? Many among the Sahaba. Uthman radiallahu anha. Aisha radiallahu anha. Aisha used to get in trouble 
radiallahu anha from her family members, her nephews that used to get upset with her because sometimes she would give everything she had and she would even forget to leave any food for herself. And some people, Allah just puts any generosity in their hearts and they become people who find it easy to give. And there's no doubt, like the Prophet told us, that Allah said, أنفق تنفق عليك ينفق عليك وأنفق عليك If you spend, I will spend on you. So this, this is a major, major thing in Islam. Still, Allah is mentioning the things they don't do. This is why they've been disgraced or this is uh, a description of the disbelievers and how they are with their Wealth. So then Allah which has said, وَتَأْكُلُونَ التُّرَاثَ أَكْلَ الْلَمَّةِ Here the word turath, uh, the word turath, the majority of the scholars here, they said the word turath here means al-mirath. The word turath, usually we use it today in Arabic, we use the word turath for like uh, legacy or we use it for... Um, like uh, antiquities and things, or things from people's culture in the past, you know, the Torah, the sort of historical culture of a people or something like that. But the word Torah here, it means mirath, in the inheritance. Ibn Jarir, he said, al-mirath. And you, you devour the inheritance. Whose inheritance did they used to devour? If, if this is a negative thing, they, it's not their own inheritance then. Whose inheritance did they used to take away in the time of Jahiliyyah or the time prior to Islam? Whose inheritance did they not used to give? The orphans, definitely. That's one. The orphans, 100%. كَلَّا بَلْ لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمُ وَلَا تَحَضُّونَ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ وَتَأْكُلُونَ التُّرَاثِ You eat the wealth of the orphan. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَأْكُلُونَ أَمْوَالَ الْيَتَامَ ظُلْمًا إِنَّمَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ نَارًا وَسَيَصْلَوْنَ سَعِيرًا Those people who devour the wealth of the orphan unjustly, they're going to enter. The only thing they're putting into their bellies is fire. And they're going to enter a burning. Uh, they're going to enter into a burning blaze. Who else? Very famous. They didn't give them their inheritance, and Allah rebuked them in the Quran. The women. They didn't give the women their inheritance. They would not allow the woman her inheritance. Now what do you think is the link between the orphan and the woman as to why neither of those two were given their inheritance in Jahiliyyah? What, what do they both share in common? Okay, well that's one good point. That's one good point that they maybe are less in need of it. I mean, the orphan might need it, but I mean, like as in the woman might not have as many obligations to spend upon, the orphan might be young, doesn't have as many obligations to spend upon. 
not so much lowly, but they were weak. They were, they were the weakest in society. This woman, she wasn't able to fight that man for inheritance. She wasn't able to take a sword and fight that man and say, give me the inheritance. Look at the story in Surah Al-Kahf of the two boys uh, who the treasure was buried under there, under the well, yeah, under the wall. They had a, they had a treasure buried there. Why did Allah not give them the treasure at that time? They were too young until they can become strong enough to look after it, to guard it. Because they were at a stage where if that treasure was uncovered at that time, the people will just come, maybe just kill them and take it straight away. So that's one thing, that the women and the orphans were among the weakest in society. They couldn't stand up for themselves. They were under the control of others. And the woman was considered to be property in that time. The woman, she was considered to be property to the point that the woman might be part of the inheritance in Jahiliyyah. Like they would inherit. And in other words, they would say, this wife of mine, I, you know, she's like the property, I give her to this person. It's a very, very evil uh, system that they had in Jahiliyyah of the way they mistreated Women, they mistreated the weak people, they mistreated children, they mistreated people who were under their control. Slaves also, they mistreated their slaves. But the slave usually doesn't have any wealth because that's the point of being a slave and you don't have, you don't actually have any wealth of your own. But that's the meaning of you devoured the inheritance, the mirath. You devoured the inheritance of those people. Aklan lemma. Aklan lemma. You devoured it, a devouring which is lemma. And lemma, it comes with two meanings in Arabic. Lemma comes the meaning shadid or ashidda. And it comes with the meaning of Jamr, al Jamr. So it means you, you know, you gathered all of it, you devoured all of it, you didn't even leave them any of it, and you devoured it severely. So two meanings here: Lemma, you devoured it severely. You didn't just take a little bit from it, and Jamr, you brought it all. You brought it, you took it all, you just gathered it all to yourself and you devoured it. And that's why they say, if you say, uh, this word, if you use it with food, it means that I ate all of it. You devoured it all. All, or you devoured it severely, hugely. You devoured it. Ibn Jarir he said both come in the word. The word means both. So they used to take the wealth of women, the wealth of children, the wealth of orphans, and they used to bring it all together 
and devour it all until there was none left. وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمَّا And you love wealth and you love wealth a love that is حُبًّا جَمَّا You love wealth حُبًّا جَمَّا جَمَّا means كَثِيرًا A lot you love wealth so much. And that was the, we said, the, the, this is mentioned elsewhere in which surah, surah Al-Adiyat, right? وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٍ That mankind just loves wealth. So here Allah Azza wa Jal now has rebuked them for a series of things that they did. They didn't take care of the orphan and honor the orphan. Didn't look after them, didn't honor them, didn't take care of them. They didn't encourage each other to feed the poor. They used to devour the inheritance. They used to devour the inheritance of the women, the children, the orphans, and they used to love to gather their wealth together. They used to love their wealth, but they didn't used to earn it in the right way or even spend it in the right way. Kalla. This Kalla here, Ibn Kathir, uh, Ibn Kathir, he took Kalla here Kella has one of two meanings, we said. Um, or at least two meanings. One of the meanings